WNSP, in conjunction with the No Sleep Podcast, presents Old Time Radio, Volume 13. In a world swarming with dark-hearted people, where crime and greed dominate the headlines, is there really any place where we can feel nothing but joy and happiness? A chance to be entertained by wholesome goodness to soothe our souls? Say... How about the circus? That's about as wholesome as they come. Spending time at the circus with the lions and the clowns. Everybody's laughing, just hanging around. But you haven't come here for goodness, have you? Neither has author Queenie Webster. So dim the lights as we spin her tale of a series of strange events which came to be known as... The Milton's Brook Phenomenon. Okay, have a seat, Skylar. Uh, Oh, wait, hang on. I'll get those papers out of the way for you. Sorry, I cleared some room in here yesterday, but the weekly reports came in this morning, and there's always so much info to go through. Ah. Are you sure you don't want any coffee or anything? Uh, I I think there's some tea in the break room, if you'd rather have that. No, thanks, Dr. Gregson. I'd rather just get this over with. Honestly, I don't see what more I can tell you. You guys have interviewed me, what, 19 times in the last 23 years? This office hasn't changed a bit. (laughs) Well, just call me Paul. Dr. Gregson is only for when I'm applying for research grants and I'm trying to impress someone. Sure, whatever. Look, my shift starts at three, so maybe we could kind of move this along. Oh, right. Uh, Sorry. Hang on, let me start the recorder. I really do appreciate you coming in to talk to us again. See, we're we're investigating this new theory, and since you're the only person who got out of Milton's Brook um, unscathed, I wanted to... Unscathed? That's what you're calling me now? When I was a kid, you government science jerks told the media I was the only survivor. You ruined my life. Oh, we don't know that they're dead, technically. Are you kidding me? Where's the damn remote? You think I don't know what that TV's for? Turn the live stream on. I know you have drones filming those things 24-7. They don't eat. They don't think. Whatever they are, they're not alive. It's here, but are you sure that's something you want to see? What if there's someone that you know that might be upsetting? Someone I know? There were only 313 people in the whole town. I knew them all. Have you even read any of the information available on this, or do you just shuffle stacks of paperwork around to try to impress someone? Please tell me this isn't your first day. I've been here for 18 months, and yes, I've listened to all of your previous interviews with my predecessors and read all the documents. Honestly, Skylar, we're no closer to understanding what happened than we were 23 years ago. That's why I asked you to come back to do this again. I don't want to do this again. I know. I'm sorry. Really, I... 
I, I can't imagine what it's like having to relive it every time some government stooge gets excited about a shiny new idea. Thanks. Are you going to turn on the live stream or just keep spinning the remote in your hands? I don't know yet. Is that thing recording? Yes. Ugh. The date is March 6th, 2021. This interview is conducted by Dr. Paul Gregson with Skylar Mitchell, formerly known as Skylar Nelson. I'm Skylar Nelson, the only unscathed person from the Miltonsbrook phenomenon. <laughs> wow, you really have done this 19 times before. I'm supposed to say all that stuff. Yeah, well, I it can't be late for work. <sighs> it was a bright, starry night when the circus came to town. Everyone was so surprised because we were too small to ever have anything bigger than the fall festival or the Christmas craft fair, you know? I mean, Fort Mitchell is only a half-hour drive away, and that's a decent-sized town. So why didn't they go there? Oh, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, tell me, how did you know what the night was like? Ugh, I thought you listened to all the other recordings. I did. But I still want to hear the whole story again. Even the smallest detail might shed light. Fine. Fine. I had chicken pox. I'd been to a sleepover at my cousin's a few days before, and I picked up chicken pox from one of her friends. There were six of us there, and we all got it. But you were the only one who lived in Miltonsbrook. Yeah. I was lying awake, looking up at the sky through my window and trying not to scratch. My mom said I'd scar if I scratched the spots. <laughs> She'd threatened to sew mittens onto the ends of my pajama sleeves if I didn't quit it. So, I guess I was trying to distract myself. And then, things just changed. There was a small gust of wind that blew one way, but it felt strange. More like it was sucked in that one direction, you know? Then it came back like a giant breath. Like an exhale. And that's when I, when I heard the music. It was so faint, it was almost nothing. Trixie heard it too. She didn't like it. Trixie was your dog? Yeah, a collie mutt. I had a collie once. Nice dogs. Are you sure you don't want that coffee? You're trying really hard to win me over. <laughs> Is it working? <laughs> no. There have been lots of men in white coats trying to win me over in the last 23 years. You all think I'm holding back some vital piece of information. You'll be just as disappointed and suspicious as the rest of them at the end of this. Well, we'll see. Keep going. Uh, the notes say the dog slept in your bed. Always. She was glued to my side. I think we heard the music at the same time. I'd been scratching her head and her ears pricked up when the wind changed. She growled a little and I told her it was okay. Can you imagine that? As if anything was okay. 
We sat up and looked out the window. The sky was so bright and full of stars. But even without that, I would have been able to see it. The big top. Yeah. It was looming up above everything. It was this big, hulking thing out in Joe Thompson's grain field behind the ball diamond. It was higher than all the houses, and it had big red and yellow stripes. We've been able to identify everyone we can see with the drone footage, but there are a handful of people who are unaccounted for, and Joe Thompson's one of them. Yeah, well, he was older than dirt back then. Maybe he died. Like, actually died. Do you think he died? I think he looked out the window at the circus that suddenly crushed his grain field, freaked, and died of a stroke. Maybe his corpse is turning to dust on his kitchen floor as we speak. It's not. We checked. We sent the drone into all the houses this spring. I didn't know that. That's pretty thorough. We try our best. Now, you said the Big Top suddenly appeared in every single one of your previous interviews, and you said it again just now. Uh, did you hear any trucks or construction noises? Any hammering of tent pegs, for instance? No. Did you hear any voices? Any animals, elephants, tigers? No, nothing. Just that god-awful music. And what did the adults say about the sudden apparition of an entire circus overnight? Nothing much. Are you sure? Now, take a minute to think. Your parents didn't think it was odd at all? No. I remember Mom told me I wouldn't be able to go because I was still contagious. Look, there's nothing wrong with my memory. You were only 11, and it was a traumatic experience. No one would blame you for forgetting a few details or misremembering. Here we go. Sorry? You think you're going to play amateur psychologist and cajole me into suddenly remembering some key detail that will shed light on this whole thing and make a name for yourself? You are the fourth government science jerk who sat at this exact same desk. And you've all tried the same move. My answers will not change. And you will not get a big, fat book deal, Dr. Gregson. Paul. Whatever. I know my predecessors haven't always been especially sensitive to how this has affected your life, Skylar. I've heard how they talk to you in the old recordings. But I'm trying here. I really do want to help. Dr. Nicholas wanted to help. I liked him, you know, before he got weird and started showing up at my house and school. Once the other kids knew who I was, my aunt had to move us again. It was the third time in two years. My cousins hated me. We had to change our names because of him. It must have been frightening to have a lunatic break into your bedroom like he did. You have no idea what fear is. No, I 
suppose I don't. Dr. Nicholas was way before my time here, but I have seen him on the live stream. The idiot got obsessed and just had to see it for himself. He thought I was misremembering too, you know. He thought I was keeping some big secret from him. You should have seen the look in his eyes when he stood over my bed. He wanted me to come with him. He wanted to drag me back to that place. I told him to stay away. I told him I, I We can take a break if you want. There are still some donuts in the break room. <sighs> I'm fine. Just let's just finish this. Ask your damn questions. All right. When did you first suspect something was different or wrong? Almost right away. They all went to the circus first thing in the morning. No one went to work or school. And not just my parents either. The neighbors all left their houses and walked to the big top. They were all laughing and excited. Just like that? They all dropped work and everything? Just like that. They were supposed to be home by lunch. Mom was going to make me some grilled cheese and tomato soup. And I lied in bed waiting until nearly two before I went downstairs to get food. Trixie kept her head down and she was panting. I got her some fresh water because I thought she was hot. I didn't know that dogs did that when they're afraid. So what time did your parents finally come home? I don't know, but it was late. It was dark. I put myself back to bed. My door opened and my mother stood silhouetted against the hall light. She took a step into the room, but stopped when Trixie growled. That was when I started to get scared. It was just a little prickle of fear at first. You know, sometimes people break into my house. They're usually super fans of the phenomenon and want to meet the only unscathed person. Sometimes they just want to steal my stuff and sell it on eBay. Okay, well, it says in here. Where is it? I just saw it yesterday. Ah, here. It says you've had seven break-ins over the last ten years. That's... That's a lot. There's a very particular feeling when you walk into your home and you know someone has been there. Sometimes they've moved something... Sometimes you can smell a faint whiff of their fabric softener still hanging in the air. And these little clues are almost nothing, but still, the hair prickles on your arms, and you try to talk yourself out of it like maybe you left that glass on the counter yourself, or maybe you knocked the bath mat crooked when you were rushing to get to work. But deep down, you know you didn't. Deep down, you know someone was in your house. Deep down, you know they're still in your house. That's how it felt that night when Trixie growled at Mom. 
you felt like your mother was an intruder, an imposter, maybe? No. But there was a, a presence. Like when someone breaks into my house. Anyway, she left the room, and I laid there, waiting for her to go to bed. And did she go to bed? No. <clears throat> she stood outside my door for a long time while the music played and played and played. How long? I don't know. It was too long, whatever it was. The hall light was still on, and I could see the shadows of her legs under the door. I got out of bed, and I tried so hard not to let the springs creak. But one did. And her shadow moved. Like, she turned a bit. I heard something snap. Trixie put her head down and bared her teeth, but she didn't growl. It was like she knew we had to be quiet. I tiptoed to the door and put my eye up to the keyhole. They were all there. Can you clarify who you mean by they for the recording? My parents and my older brothers, Jake and Alex. Dad and my brothers were standing in the hall, facing my room. They were frozen in place, but their heads and arms looked unnatural, like, like they were puppets with loose strings. They were breathing in sync with each other. Their clothes were hanging off their bodies in such a weird way, like they'd forgotten how to dress themselves and their eyes... Oh, God. Their eyes... And your mother? Can we talk about something else? Soon. Let's just get through this bit, okay? It says here she was facing them, like she was defending your door. Was she frozen in place like them? Yes. But? But her head was twisted completely backward. Like an owl. And she was staring at my door. At the keyhole. At me. She knew I was watching and the whole situation felt so fragile I knew if I made a noise any noise at all it would shatter and something terrible would happen terrible like what I don't know I didn't want to find out <laughs> it's probably just one of those dumb kid things I'm misremembering if the whole town was operating as a hive mind, it wouldn't be unreasonable to postulate that you were also picking up their intent psychically. 
I don't have mind powers, Dr. Gregson. Paul. Well, Dr. Nicholas believed you had mind powers. He believed a lot of things. He was crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Can you tell me what happened next? I wanted to lock the door, but I was scared they'd hear the click and that would make something bad happen. So I just sat there, peering out the keyhole, scared to even blink, while my mother stared back at me with those horrible eyes. Trixie paced for most of the night, although sometimes she would sit in the corner and shake Did you fall asleep at any point? No, I didn't dare. I wanted to be able to lock the door if, well, if anything happened, if they moved. My eyes were dry from staring so long. And then right around dawn, I heard a cracking sound from the bones in my mom's neck as she, as she turned her head back around. They all stood still for another moment, and then Dad and my brothers turned away, and, and everyone went down the stairs. So what did you do when they left? I waited until they were at the bottom of the stairs before I clicked the lock. I tried to stand up, but my legs were numb from sitting for so long. Scooted along the floor on my bum and hands with my pins and needles feet dragging after me, and I pulled myself up onto the bed so I could look out the window. Trixie was desperate to go out. I felt so bad when she peed in the corner. That damn music was still playing. I was so careful not to move the curtains as I looked out the window into the pink light of early morning. The street was filling with people. Your neighbors? Yeah. They were all leaving their houses and walking to the big top. Only no one was laughing and smiling like they had been before. They just walked together with their clothes hanging off them so awkwardly. My parents and brothers joined them. And that was the first 24 hours. Thank you for sharing that with me. I know that was hard. That was the easy part. We haven't gotten to the hard part yet, Dr. Gregson. Paul... Do you want to take a break before we keep going? We could sit on the bench outside for a bit and get some fresh air if you like. No, thanks. I still have to get to work on time. <clears throat> uh, you're still spinning that remote around. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not ready to see them yet. No rush. And you don't have to see them at all if you don't want to. Yes, I... I know. I, sh I should check on them, no. I haven't checked on them in... Well, it must have been sometime last fall. <laughs> I mean, that's what you're supposed to do, right? 
check in on your aging parents. Only your parents don't age. No, they don't. They just fade like old photographs. <laughs> How do they look? And my brothers? No real change. Your mother's shirt's still torn open right down the front. <sighs> she, uh... She still has her bra on. Well, you know how they are. They can't dress themselves very well, and the, the hook let go on the strap, so she's a... Uh, some days, well, a lot of days, she's walking around with her breast out. And uh, she's pretty badly weathered. Frostbite and sunburned, mostly. I'm really sorry. She would hate that. She was always so well-dressed. Do you know how her clothes got torn? No. Do you have any thoughts on why they keep taking their clothes off inside the big top? No. Haven't you government science jerks figured out how to send in a drone that doesn't immediately crap out? Huh, I wish. There's an engineering team working on that one every day. Every time an electronic device goes near it, it goes haywire and breaks. We really should keep going with this. Do we have to? Yeah. Last chance for that coffee before we start on day two. Are you stalling? A bit, I guess. It's just... <sighs> I can still hear your voice in my head from your first interview when you were 11. And you sounded so broken. And I think of my own kids and... Yeah, I thanks, I get it. <sighs> My legs were asleep and useless, but I dragged myself across my bedroom floor and up onto the bed. I sat by the window, watching as everyone walked to the big top. They all had that horrible look in their eyes, and I was, and I was terrified someone would turn their head and see me. The thought of those eyes looking at me made my skin crawl. There was no laughter or excitement from them this time. The adults didn't chat with each other, and the kids weren't running on ahead and calling to their parents to hurry up. They all looked straight ahead and walked toward that place with such a sense of purpose. It was like watching the tide go out. I could see some of the other streets through the gaps in the houses, and it looked the same everywhere. Everyone had the same clothes on as the day before, the same clothes they're, they're still wearing today. I can still see the wind, how it moved their hair. It turned the leaves on the trees back and forth so I could see the undersides of them, and the tops... It was a steady movement, and I knew by then that it wasn't the wind at all. 
sat by the window long after they had all disappeared from sight. I was so desperate to pee that I either had to go on the floor like Trixie or take a chance to go to the bathroom. Everything was so quiet without any people. The only sound was that awful music. When the lock on my door clicked, it felt loud. My footsteps in the hall did too. The flushing toilet thundered in my ears. Trixie followed me downstairs, but I could tell she was scared. I put some food in her dish, but she she wouldn't eat. Keep going. When I poured the milk over my cereal, it came out in chunks and smelled like vinegar. There was some chicken in the fridge that mom had cooked two days before. It had green fuzz growing on it. I ate some stale, dry cereal, and I decided to call my grandmother. I didn't know what to tell her. I just... I just... I just wanted someone to come and get me. I picked up the phone... The dial tone was heavy, and it sounded like it was coming from a faraway place and not from just beside my ear. I dialed my grandmother's phone number anyway. I couldn't really hear her, but I could tell someone had picked up. The fear was really settling in then, and I started to cry. I begged her to come and get me because Mom and Dad were scaring me. And she, she, she hung up. She told me later that she had picked up, but all she'd heard was garbled static. She, she hadn't heard me at all. Keep going. What did you do next? I turned on the TV to keep me company, but that didn't work either. Every channel was static. I decided to go across the street to old Mrs. Boulder's. She lived alone with, like, eight cats. I'd seen her leave that morning, so I thought maybe I could sneak in to use her phone. I stuffed my feet into my sneakers. Trixie started whining again when I opened the door. I glanced around for people, but I knew there weren't any. I could... I could feel how alone I was. The grass in our yard was so high that it had gone to seed and it blew back and forth in that strange wind. I was really surprised because my brother had cut it on the weekend. I sprinted across the road and I ducked around the back of the house. kitchen door was always unlocked. The house reeked of cat pee and I could smell rotten meat. Uh, A moldy plate of dinner was on the table. I looked in the fridge. Her milk had gone sour too.
the meat smell was coming from the living room. I, I didn't want to go in there, but that's where the phone was. My throat felt dry as I moved through the kitchen. Um, there was a dead plant hanging in a macrame basket. I could see more dead plants in front of the picture window. I, I peeked into the living room and there were, were dead cats everywhere. Some were on the floor, others were on the, the furniture. One was next to the phone. There were holes in them like they'd been eating each other. I panicked and I ran back to Trixie. And we hid in my closet until my parents came home. You hid in your closet all day? I think I was in there a lot longer than that. <sighs> it got darker and darker, and then it was dark. And they came. Your whole family? The whole town. Trixie was trembling like a leaf beside me. I hid my face in the shaggy fur around her neck and I cried. No one outside Milton's Brook knew what was happening. No one was going to rescue me. I, I was alone. Their steps fell in that same sloppy unison as the night before, only now. Now there were more of them. Hundreds more of them, beating together like a, a diseased heart. I could see them in my head. Everyone I knew. My friends from school, their parents, the town librarian, my softball coach, even my dad's barber. They were all coming to my house. They were all coming for me. Then the footsteps were in the house. I had the door locked, but I knew that wouldn't hold them for long. In my mind... I could see my mother leading them up the stairs. Her head was flopped to one side and it rested on her shoulder like Humpty Dumpty on the wall. And then they were outside my door. The hall light was on and the two long shadows of my mother's legs slid into my room but the footsteps hadn't stopped. The house was swarming with people. In my head, I could see my mother's hand reaching for the doorknob. And it was the same hand that stroked my hair when I couldn't sleep. 
the same hand that played the piano downstairs in the evenings and and then this hand that, that I loved was turning the doorknob and I knew I couldn't I couldn't let it touch me ever again I threw the closet door open and nearly tripped because my shoes were suddenly too small I kicked them off and I hurled myself into the dresser. They knew what I was doing, I think, because suddenly my father and brothers were slamming themselves into the door. The dresser was heavy. But I shoved it as hard as I could and moved it in front of the door. I could hear the wood splintering. My music box fell off the dresser and smashed. A lamp followed a moment later. Trixie was snarling, and the hair on her shoulders stood straight up. But her, but her tail was between her legs, and I knew she was terrified. I jumped on the bed, and I looked out the window, and there were so many people. They filled our yard and the street. The door was coming off the hinges behind me and I could see the dresser was being steadily pushed into the room. I opened the window as the broken door fell in. I looked back in time to see the dresser tip over. My mother's head had rolled off her shoulder. She said my name. It sounded as stretched and distended as the skin on her neck that held her swinging head over her breasts. I climbed out of the window and dropped down onto the veranda roof. Back inside, I could hear Trixie barking and frothing at the mouth. And I knew she didn't want to attack her family. But she did. And I ran along the veranda roof to where the main gable came low, and, and I climbed up on it the way I'd seen my brothers do when they had to clean the gutters. Paint was coming off the house, and big flakes and curls, and it dug into my wrists and ankles because, because my clothes were suddenly too small. And I almost fell the first time I heard Trixie scream. <laughs> Have you ever heard a dog scream? No. <laughs> and then... quiet in the house and I knew Trixie was gone. I climbed higher up the roof and I made it all the way to the peak and, and I held on to the crumbling brick chimney and in the street lights below I could see everyone moving 
with that strange posture you see on the live stream. The puppet string posture. The yellow grass was nearly waist high and they were wading through it to get to the house. My brothers were out on the veranda roof and more people were spilling out of the window behind them. I clung to the crumbling chimney and I cried. I even called out to my mother to save me. The wind blew in that weird way and I knew that this time it was smelling I looked out over the moonlit town to the big top and wished the music would stop. Soon, the roof was teeming with people and their fingernails and shoes made a scrabbling sound against the shingles like 10,000 black beetles as they climbed up to me. The clothes were hanging off them like they'd forgotten how to dress themselves. Alex's pants were torn and there was blood dripping from his leg where Trixie had bitten him. But it was like he couldn't feel it. They were getting closer and closer and then I could feel their hands closing around my ankles. They were pulling me away from the chimney. The house was so full of people it felt like it was throbbing. There were hands pawing all over my body. And then... The roof came in. I closed my eyes as I fell backward down the roof. I slammed into people as I pitched over and over. I tried to grab onto something, just anything, but I was too disoriented. And then then I was was falling. And I hit something big and warm and, and everything stopped. I lay there, breathing and aching. My arm had a big gash and I could feel a a damp patch soaking into my sleeve. I opened my eyes when I felt a tongue lapping at my blood. I was lying on a pile of my neighbors. They had fallen off the roof before me and they just, they just lay there in a heap of broken bones and loose shingles, staring at me from whatever weird angle they lay in with those, those horrible eyes. I could hear the others inside the house digging themselves out. Another tongue licked over a cut on my ankle and then teeth 
spit down on me and I, I screamed. I rolled sideways off the pile. Um, sharp things were scraping me and, and tore my clothes, but I couldn't tell if it was debris from the roof or the, the bones jutting out of their broken, grabbing hands. There was so much softness, too. Fat stomachs, smashed faces, hair, Mrs. Bolger's polyester blouse. I got to the bottom of the pile. I ran. I didn't know where I was going. I just, I just ran. The house was still surrounded by people, but they weren't reacting. They didn't chase me or, or even try to grab me. Why do you suppose that was? Dr. Nicholas had a theory that I was so blind with fear that they couldn't read my thoughts. Do you think that's true? Who knows? Hmm. When did your memory clear up? Later that night, when I was on some kid's bicycle, pedaling so hard that my legs burned. Do you know where you got the bike? No. Probably from someone's yard. Do you want to take a break? We could watch the live stream for a while, or I can make you that coffee. No, thanks. I only have a few minutes before I have to go, so if, if there's anything else... There is, actually. I have two theories on the Milton's Brook phenomenon. Would you like to hear them? All right. The first is that whatever is inside the big top is causing temporal distortions, which you lived in for an unknown amount of time and which took you three days to escape when you left on the bicycle. This theory could explain why they don't age. This could explain why our drones stop working. They're aging and breaking as they get close to it. The second theory, in a nutshell, is that you're lying. I told you this would happen. Do you think I'm lying, Paul? Yes. Yes, I do. Would you like to know why? Yeah, I would, actually. I'm willing to believe everything. An entire circus suddenly appeared and no one saw anything. Okay, fine. Everyone in your town lost their minds because they heard some freaky music. Okay, fine. A temporal distortion was flowing from your house like water. Okay, fine. But an 11-year-old kid who didn't sneak out to see the circus? <laughs> I'd be willing to believe everything, Skylar, but not that. You sound just like Dr. Nicholas. According to his notes, he thought you were lying too. And he also thought, quite correctly, I think, that you're only telling us about two days you spent in the temporal distortion. The first one and the last one. How long were you really there for? Weeks? Months? Years? 
How long does it take for a house to rot and collapse? I'm leaving. Don't call me again. I won't be doing any more of these interviews. Sit down, Skylar. Enough is enough. Unlock this door! You were sick in bed and staring up at the night sky, feeling lonely and rejected after the disastrous sleepover that you had only been invited to because you were a... a, a weird little freak with no friends. What? You think I didn't interview your cousin and the other girls at the sleepover? They're the missing piece to your story. All of my predecessors have been so obsessed with you that they never bother to talk to the other girls. Your cousin, Christine, said that you often made up stories to make yourself sound cool. Amy said she woke up and you were sitting in the dark, watching them sleep. She said she didn't think you slept at all, ever. Sarah said she felt like you were reading her thoughts because you seemed to know that she, quote, hated your guts. Marla said that things always seemed to go your way. Even if the rest of the girls wanted to do something else, they would inexplicably find themselves doing what you wanted to do. They were just a bunch of bullies. Let me out of here. There's always been something wrong with you, hasn't there? The baby who wouldn't sleep. The toddler who wouldn't take naps. The child who stayed awake night after night in her room. So there you sat, alone as always. And then you felt it. The presence you described. Perhaps it was something alien. Or perhaps something ancient. And it felt your presence too. Was it just passing through, or had you met before, late at night? You don't know what you're talking about. Help! Someone let me out! Is anyone there? And you connected with each other, and it felt genuine and fulfilling and wonderful as it probed your mind. Your powerful, gullible, 11-year-old child's mind. And it could have formed itself into anything, anything at all but it made itself into something happy it saw in your head. A circus tent. Stop this. Help! Dr. Gregson has me locked in his office! He's gone crazy! And it scared you a little to see it materialize like that. It scared you to see how big it was. But it told you how popular you would be once everyone knew you brought a circus to town. The other kids would see how special you were, and they would all want to be your friend. Just like it was your friend. It said everything a lonely kid would want to hear. No! Yes, and all you had to do was tell them to go into that tent every morning, to stop them from questioning. And you could definitely do that, couldn't you, Skylar? You did it all the time in small ways. That's why no one wanted to be around you. They were scared of you. You don't know what you're talking about! So you did what your friend told you to do. And for a while, everything was wonderful. The adults paid attention to you. The kids played with you. You and your friend held those people hostage for a long, long time. But things started to change. When did you realize you were losing control? That your friend was just using you? Was it when the good people of Milton's Brook lost the ability to speak and their eyes turned into black voids as their souls were slowly milked dry? 
When did your friend, a parasite that needed the power of your weird little freak mind, let things start to rot and decay to punish you for trying to leave? Did you mean to break your mom's neck or were you fighting with your friend for control of her body and it just happened? It was an accident. It was making her ignore me. And I wanted her to come back and spend time with me like before. I just I just wanted a hug. Did you tear your mother's shirt? I didn't, I didn't mean to. I didn't, I didn't want her to come. Now she's walking around like that. But your falling out with your friend wasn't your only problem, was it? As the parasite used you up too, your hold on the residents of Milton's Brook was loosening. They weren't coming for you because some entity in the Big Top was controlling them. They were rebelling because your grip on them was weakening. And they were mad as hell. How do you know these things? I told you. We looked in every house, and that included yours. We took the roof off your house. That music box that fell off your dresser was shaped like a circus big top complete with yellow and red stripes. Not again. Dr. Gregson. What's under that tent? Dr. Gregson. What's under that Tent. What? How did you unlock that door? You're not supposed to be able to, 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 to do that anymore. Dr. Nicholas's notes don't say anything about... Dr. Gregson, delete that recording. Yes. Yes, I'll do that right now. Then set fire to your office and burn all these notes and files. Yes. Good idea. Make sure you lock yourself in when you do it. Yes. That's the most important part. It sure is. Goodbye, Dr. Gregson. Goodbye.
Thank you for joining us for Old Time Radio Volume 13. This episode's tale was The Milton's Brook Phenomenon, written by Queenie Webster. Produced for the No Sleep Podcast by Jesse Cornett. This production starred Aaron Lillis as Skyler and Mike Delgadio as Dr. Paul Gregson. Musical score by Brandon Boone. Visit thenosleeppodcast.com to learn more about our show and our season pass memberships. Thank you for listening to Old Time Radio Volume 13. This audio production is copyright 2022 by Creative Reason Media Inc. All rights reserved. The copyright for this story is held by Queenie Webster. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Creative Reason Media, Inc.